Hi, and welcome to The Entrepreneurial Journey. I'm Martin Reynolds. Today, I'm with Ernie Barrett, who's the chairman of TeddyTrack, uh, as well as several other companies. Um, thank you, Ernie, for agreeing to do this podcast today. Um, what I'd like to explore, really, is what drove you to become an entrepreneur, and what was your background like that led, and what sort of sparked your enthusiasm. So perhaps you could tell me a bit about your early life. Of course. Um, I'm pleased to be here. Nice to talk to you, Martin. Um, well, I was born in July 6th, 1938, just before the Second World War. A spring 84-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I very humble beginnings. Uh, my mother and father had eight children, so I've got seven siblings. Two have now passed on, unfortunately. Um, but I'd like to mention at this stage that each and every one of us has gone on to, to do something with their lives. We were extremely poor. We had a three-bedroomed house, uh, which is a lot of people in a three-bedroomed house. But I think that also gave all of us the, the spark to do something. Um, lived through the war, experienced some nasty stuff, like the people next uh, at the bottom of our garden being blown off the face of the earth. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, dreadful. And uh, and just kind of accepted that, that the war was part of everyday life when you're young. You don't actually uh, consider it to be any different from life because that's all you know. Yes, I suppose. Okay, so I went to uh, school at the age of four. I had a pretty tough time. Um, my teacher used to wrap me over the knuckles because my handwriting was awful, but that did set me back, I think, I believe. And But I was really good at sport, even at a very young age. So when I say really good, I mean I was pretty good at sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on through my school life. I spent more time uh, boxing at that time uh, for, the, for the school. I boxed. I managed to win the English school's boxing championship. Well, so I was, I was a useful boxer. I boxed for the country a few times. I had a lot of fights. And I thought I was going to be the world boxing champion. Didn't quite work out, actually. <laughs> as I got older, it became more, more difficult. And um, mm-hmm. as I became more educated, and I'll talk about that in a moment, uh, so I realized that the, the damage that could be done to one's brains. So I decided that I'd take up running, uh, which I did, and I was very fortunate enough to also run for the country, mm-hmm. uh, cross-country, actually, although... I never considered myself a cross-country runner. I was a better track runner. So I suppose my best sporting achievement, I beat the Olympic Games silver medalist in Poland, in Poland, in the European Railway Championships. So that's kind of talk about my sporting background. Work, I did everything in my early days, but I was mainly a singer. Mm-hmm. I sang with a big band called Danny Boyce at the Opera Pali, which was a place all us kids used to like to gravitate to. Lots of people you could meet there. And so I was a big band singer. Um, I moved on to rock and roll, and I used to have long hair, and now I've got no hair. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, it's the middle of the road. So I've managed, I've been fortunate enough to sing on ships. Uh, I've sang in clubs up north, <laughs> as they say. Um, a really tough place to go. But yeah. I, I still love singing, and I still record from time to time. Oh, well done. So I really enjoy that. Um, in the meantime, I sold chestnuts in London. I have cleaned windows. I've done. I've worked for a waste paper merchant until eventually I uh, went into the army. Uh, I was in the Royal Corps of Signals. Uh, I managed to get into the Paris Six, so I've done a lot of jumps out of aeroplanes. 
and all that kind of stuff in my younger, more foolish days. <laughs> um, came out of the army and got a job with British Rail. And I'd already by then got into um, extramural education. Right. So uh, I did some GCEs, as they were then, and went on to do three A-levels. Um, managed to do okay, nothing spectacular, but okay. Uh, and then I did a WEA course for those I'd initiated. It was a workers' education course. Right. Uh, when I was with the railway, mm. and I eventually won a scholarship to John Musk in Oxford, um, where I studied politics and economics. They were two separate degrees. Mm. Nowadays they do PPE, which is philosophy, politics, and economics. But in my days, it was two separate degrees. Didn't do too bad. Um, never was a first class <laughs> uh, studier, unfortunately. Um, and from there on, uh, I went back to the railway. I really enjoyed actually working with the railway. I managed to become the chief claims clerk, which was quite a feather, if you like, and my cab, I was quite proud of probably, that. Probably one of the busiest people on the railways, I should think. <laughs> <laughs> well, in those days, they used to have computer claims agreements with uh, big companies like Woolworth, which was our biggest uh, freighter. Mm. Um, so my job, actually, if they made a claim, was to look into the claim and do that kind of thing. So, that, yeah, it was quite, quite. I uh, really enjoyed the job. Um, had some, I was married at 17, let that sink in. Um, unfortunately, it was far too early to get married, and my wife and I went our separate ways. Never fell out. In fact, we're still good friends now. Oh, lovely. Yeah, it is good. Mm. Um, two kids from that marriage uh, who I, did, I love dearly. Mm. I still see them all sort of, you know, often, mm-hmm. which is, I'm really proud of them. And mm-hmm. They've gone on to do well. Um, and I worked there, and I left there because I was doing a lot of travelling, I, by then, the, I was working from Bishopsgate Goods Station and it got burnt down. So they kind of seconded me to advertising. So that was my first, if you like, sales job. So I became the um, Eastern Area Manager for BTA, British Transport Advertising. I did that for a few years and then I decided I didn't want to travel around. So I got a job with um, the Gas Board. I really never, as a central heating rep, uh, I never really settled in that. I wasn't really happy doing that for very long, but I did it. Um, and then uh, I got headhunted by a company called Colas, which made Macadam. They're a huge company. Right. Uh, started off uh, just as a salesman, really, flogging Macadam. Um, but I was quite good at it, and eventually I rose to become the sales director of the company. Uh, so that was my that was first company I actually ran part of mm. a whole bit. So John Courtney Hatcher was the boss, but uh, yeah, so I did that for some while. I got fed up. They kept sending, and I married. Then I got married for a second. I was divorced and got married mm. to my present wife Lynn. That's fifty-one years ago. Blimey. I'm still madly in love with her. I want to say to her because mm. she hears this podcast, but it's true. Yeah. Um, and I didn't. She was a lot younger than me. She was only seventeen. Um, and I didn't really want to keep traveling to the Middle East and as I was, as I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do something different. So I knew a guy called Ian Fletcher, who totally different background to me, went to Harrow and Cambridge, um, was well connected and he knew a millionaire, a multi-millionaire called Eddie Lawler. Mm-hmm. And I had this idea for a free news sheet. 
uh, there's a guy called Eddie Shaw who said he did the first three news sheet, but he's a fib. Yeah. Uh, in actual fact, it was us. Yeah. And we did one called the Yellow Advertiser. You know it well. Do you? Yeah. Well, if you live in Essex, you would have seen it at some point. Right, okay. So I, I told um, Ian about my idea. He introduced me to Eddie, and we, as I say, got into bed together. Uh, uh, Lawler, Lawler said any amount of money we needed. I went on from there. I, I did a couple of other stuff, but that was my first essay, if you like, into my own business. I actually run the company, mainly with Fletcher. Mm. Uh, we're still the best of friends. Uh, he lives in Constantia in South Africa. Oh, right. He owns vineyards and stuff there, so he's, he's going to amazingly well. Um, I, so I did that um, for a while, and then, because I'm kicking my heels a bit, so I decided I knew a bit about publishing, so I published 12 newspapers and magazines. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoyed that, made a lot of money. Um, Sold up, went to the States, and I thought I'd pursue my passion, which is sport. Well, what motivated you to go to the States, though? What was the... Okay, so I, well, I had this idea of something called the British American Marathon, right. which was bringing together uh, the, this country and the States for a mar- marathon. And I kind of saw it as a good business opportunity to bring lots of people over and runners and they would bring their families over and people like Florida anyway. Yes. So I thought, what a great idea. So here I was, one a one-off person with my wife, who was backing me, of course, um, and I went to see the mayor of Tampa, the guy, a guy I've got his name now. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Uh, he became the head of the FBI, actually. Oh, did he? So, yes, he did. Yeah. Uh, he liked the idea, so he introduced me to the right people. I had this idea of running the race from Tampa to St. Petersburg across a bridge called the Gandhi Bridge, right across Tampa Bay. Right. And he said, well, you'd be a miracle if you get that early, but good luck. Mm-hmm. So I saw the mayor, um, Corinne Freeman, I remember her name, uh, of St. Petersburg. She absolutely loved the idea and said, I'll introduce you to the governor of Florida, Bob Graham. Right. So I met Bob. Uh, he loved the idea. <laughs> And he said, I'll get Ronald Reagan's office involved in this because we're going to shut a bridge. It's got to be a federal thing, not just a state thing. So, yeah, we got that done as well. <laughs> I convinced uh, an airline to carry everybody, an airline called Arrow Air. Um, and we put this race together and it was a howling success. It was amazing. Unfortunately, I had lots of money invested other things over there, uh, including this airline called this Arrow Air. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Um, and, but later on, they went down the Swanee, as they say in America, and I went down with it. I purchased all my money. Would you have a, a load of money invested in it, and that's what caused your downfall? Yes. Uh, and what caused their downfall? No, I don't think so. I didn't run the company. I was just in making no, investment. You're just an investor. So, yeah. It's a long story. Yeah. Um, and in the meantime, this race was, as I say, incredibly successful, and the St. Pete's Time, which is a big newspaper, or was, still is, I think, uh, they started a small article saying, how come this fast-talking crew-cut... <laughs> Cockney boy has done this. Why couldn't we have done it? 
over here, us Americans. He's come in and he's grabbed this. And, and then it became amazingly political, just beyond anyone's imagination. The Democrats and the Republicans got involved. Yeah. Uh, remember, Bob Graham was a Republican and he was back in it, so the Democrats didn't like it. It became, it became without me becoming political, it was a very, and my background was in politics, mm. uh, because I went to Ruskin. Because of your studying. education. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so I stuck in with my wife until the last tricks of our money disappeared. Oh, dear. Um, and then we had to come back. We were completely broke. Had to move in with my sister-in-law. So there was me and one child, Tyron, and... My wife, we moved in, and I thought, what can I do that I'm good at? And I'm good at selling. I was. I don't know if I still am. Maybe. I'm sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I, um, I convinced a company to take me on. I, I had three interviews, actually. I did one with Time magazine. Uh, and the guy, the guy that ran it in this country said, I, d I wouldn't take you on, and you want my job in a year. <laughs> so I do kind of come across like that, whether it's true or not. There's another matter. And uh, so I got this job with a company called um, MTM. They were based in Stockton-on-Tees, a chemical company. Mm. And I had a fantastic career with them. Um, rose from a salesman to become the sales director. Worked really hard. I had some great ideas. Um, my best idea was that we bought a product mm. that was degreasing plugs from the local company, MK Electrics, the local company here, massive company, and recycled it, cleaned it, also locally, mm -hmm. and then sold it back to them. <laughs> and so the company made a lot of money. Unfortunately, the two directors finished up in prison, oh. the guys that owned it and directed it, for trying to defraud the European Union. Well, that's um, and the long and the short of it was that I was out of work again. Mm. Um, but I knew a little bit about by now about the chemical industry. My brother-in-law is a chemist, Colin. Mm -hmm. So I talked to him. He had had four businesses and gone broke four times. He made it. We bought some precursor chemicals with very little money. We didn't have much money. Uh, he formulated products. I sold the products and delivered it in my car. And my wife kept the books. Mm -hmm. uh, we, are, we are now probably the biggest independent company in Britain. Selling disinfectants and detergents. This is GHS Direct? Yeah, GHS Direct, mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, kennels, catteries, etc. So, uh, and equine centers mainly. So it's mainly kennels and catteries and equine centers. Mm -hmm. Um, quite successful. Mm -hmm. Small, but nice. It's successful. Uh, enjoy that. In the meantime, my son, the oldest son, decided to get into computers, had a good job. Uh, they were taken over by an American company. He said, can you come and work for me? I said, yeah, you can come work for GHS. And that's how we actually started Teletrack because he went to see a guy who wanted an interface with his system. Right. And Tyler's always been a really clever guy. He's actually programmed since the age of eight. Mm. He put my CRM system in when he was 11. <laughs> so really smart guy. Mm. Um, not like me. It's more like his mother, very, very methodical very finite in detail. He told the this company we went to see that uh, he could actually write them a system uh, rather than do an interface for the same money as it would cost them to have an interface. So they liked the idea, and so that was our first client, uh, DSPS, 
uh, I don't know what that stands for, but they were based out in Solihull. Right. Um, if, uh, since then, we have gone on to work for some really, really successful companies. Um, literally worked from Tesco's. Mm-hmm. We worked for them. Diageo, the biggest distiller in the world. Yeah. Uh, we actually worked with them quite recently. Samsung, OG Media, lots of really big companies. Um, and we were doing really, really well, making plenty of money, doing well, employing quite a few people. And unfortunately, we got behind the nine ball. Um, and there was good reasons for that, but I won't go into that no. podcast. Um, and I kind of, kind of semi-retired, really. I had a few other fingers in pies. I invest in startups mm. and ailing companies. So the company's ailing. And I think that we could turn it around. I put my management team on. I get feed money. Turn it around, and then they can buy their shares back that I pay for. And the same with startups. That's what I do. Not not so much nowadays. But in, in, then, at that time, I was doing it all the time and enjoying it. Having yeah. Um, but I came back into the company to try to turn the fortunes. This was three years ago of Teletrek round. Mm-hmm. Um, we're working really hard on, on that now. Um, funny enough, we've just landed uh, our first four major con contracts in the last six months. So merely pleased to say we seem to be putting that right. Mm. And I'm having fun again, really. That's what it's, it's about. Not, it's not career or threatening to me, mm. to be honest. But, you know, my son Tyron loves it. I'd like to help him get to where he wants to get to. Um, and that really is my story with my entrepreneur's trip. Well, it's been a good, good and uh, varied, eclectic mix, hasn't it? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. what, um, what, what, what do you think? Because you were doing a lot of employed roles uh, when you came back. And I did, yeah. It's great to see that someone's been knocked over and dusted themselves down yeah. and gets on with it. Yeah. But what was it that motivated you to become an entrepreneur rather than working for somebody else? Was there anything that so, drove uh, you? I, I kind of fell into it, really, didn't I? Because mm. um, I was working for the gas board and I really didn't like that at all. I, I wasn't happy doing that job. I really wasn't. Uh, just me, my yeah. personality. It didn't suit me. And then I had this idea for a free news sheet. So it was just that? Yeah. Uh, I had this idea. Uh, Fletch, Ian Fletcher uh, liked it. He's an enormously successful man now. Uh, you know, He owns estates and vineyards and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. Uh, still my best mate, still mm-hmm. good mate. St- still go over to see him. He comes over to see me. So that's rather nice. Very nice. It is nice, mm. yes, particularly if we're both from completely different Back backgrounds yeah. and political backgrounds too. So that's mm. really interesting, I think, that you can get on if you really want to get on with someone, which is which more people do that. Yes, absolutely. Um, Ian jumped on the idea and said, oh, this is, this is a great idea, Ernie. So let me introduce you to this millionaire, Eddie Lawler. Eddie had come over here from Ireland, so he says, and I quite believe him, with 50 pence. <laughs> ten bob, as it was in those days, yeah, ten yeah. shillings, ten bob, and um, made multi millions. He owned Centre Point. He owned a group of garages. That's how Fletcher knew him because he worked for Shell at the time. Um, the introduction was made. Eddie said, "You guys seem to believe in it," you know, and I'll always back someone that's got this passion and belief. Mm. And he did. So does that rub, did that rub off on you in that you wanted to help startups and uh, people? What were... Not really. No, I, I don't think so. I think kind of helping startups um, 
Yeah, I'm just thinking it through. I've never really thought about it. Um, <laughs> but now you've asked me, I suppose it did, because I had to start somewhere. And it wasn't easy, you know, like everybody else. I had to put my house up with the bank. Um, yeah. You know, there were times when, this is with GHS, when, you know, things were really, really tough. And uh, even when people close to me said, that, oh, let's quit and go and get a job. And I went, no. <laughs> so I definitely won't do that. Mm. You know, I know I'm going to make this work. So I suppose there's some kind of narcissistic part of me that... Oh, steely determination, I yeah, think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But being a psychologist, I mean, I've got a good degree in psychology. Yeah. Uh, you know, anyone that thinks greatly of themselves are labelled narcissistic. So <laughs> yes. I suppose, you know, we can all be nar- called narcissists. Um, I believe that I have... You know, it goes back to my sporting days where really. I, I used to love to win. Um, uh, and if I lost, I, I once said to somebody who tried to put me down in business, you can knock me down, I'll just get up again. And that's from a song called The Urban Spaceman. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, you know it. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I'm older than I look. You are? <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't look up that long. Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. It was Bonzo Dog Doodah Band and the brother of Paul McCartney. Mm. Led that group again. Mm. Interesting. What do you see the future then holding for you? For me, well, I'm 84 coming up, 85. Um, I do tend to take pretty longish holidays. I'm not. Why not? I'm not a big spender, actually. And my wife definitely is. She's still, her engagement ring is still the £10 engagement ring I bought her 51, 52 years ago. So, you know, we we are not, because of our backgrounds, both of us come from quite, you know, poor, large families. So we tend to be quite circumspect about our finances. Um, so I, yeah, I just try to be careful with money. I'm a great investor, uh, so is my wife. Mm. And, uh, she's also got a better degree than I have in psychology. So, oh, right. you know, I have to defer to her <laughs> quite often. Exactly. Duffy or Forlock. Yeah, clever girl. But um, uh, no, it's it's interesting. And how do you see the um, economy affecting business at the moment? That's a really good question, isn't it? Yeah. Especially the businesses I run. Um, Teletrack actually uh, has always been involved with retail companies. Um, when I got back into the business, I could see the writing on the wall. Mm. The particularly with people buying online and footfall in. You know, stores, etc., were going to drop off dramatically. And so I kind of, I, we had an MD that unfortunately got very sick. Oh, dear. Uh, yeah, he had a heart failure. Oh. And so my wife, whose uh, skill is in organizational stress management, that's her, her diploma, uh, she actually advised him to retire mm. uh, because it was too stressful. The business was actually collapsing, to be honest. Mm. And so uh, I, she asked me to come back and mm. help Tyron, my son. And so I got involved again. Um, I had a lot of fun, really. <laughs> so, and I'm in that. I really enjoy, I like business. Uh, startups and ailing companies, I, I love to help. I really, really like. And I've invested in film companies. I've invested in uh, just everything, uh, mm. beauty salons, just everything <laughs> virtually. Been very similar to me in a lot of ways, and that's I, I do a lot of acting and I've been involved in that. But I also, as a business coach, yes, but as, as a business coach, of course, um, I do exactly the same. I don't deal with startups so much, no. but if there's a company that's well, struggling or, or 
actually they could be struggling because they're doing too well and they've grown so much that they don't know how to deal with it. Right. It was fine when it was a small company, now it's bigger and it's layers of management that they don't know what to do. So they need someone like me to come along and help them. Wow. Uh, so it's the same thing. And it, 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 I, I get a kick out of seeing people have their head down and then suddenly you've motivated them and you've let yes. them see the wood for the trees and then they've gone, they can see yes. that you know, light, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And they start smiling again. Yeah. I don't think you can motivate people. I think you can inspire them. They yeah. can motivate themselves, but themselves mm. rather. So, but I think you can inspire people, and I think it it's beholding on older people, or should be beholding on older people, to always inspire the younger generation because they're the future. And, they are. and we're actually might be the present, but we're mm. certainly, in my case, nearer to being in the past. So. <laughs> quite important really. Oh, very good, very good. Okay, well look, only it's been a fascinating story. Uh, you've obviously uh, achieved great things in both sports and, uh, and and business and it's a, I think as you said earlier, it's a bit of a parallel, isn't it? You know, you want to win, you, you've yeah. got to be determined and you've got to be knocked over, which you were in America and you've got it back up again and here yes. you are Thank today you. with umpteen different businesses. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. well, six actually. No, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, look, Ernie, thank you very much for today. That's been brilliant. If you'd like to learn more about Ernie's businesses, or if indeed you want to find out what Prosper Strategic can do for you, or indeed if you want to share your story of your entrepreneurial journey, please get in contact with me, Martin Reynolds, at martin at prosper, P-R-O-S-P-U-R, dot U-K. That's Martin with an I at prosper, P-R-O-S-P-U-R dot U-K.